Thanks for tuning in to your day off podcast, hosted by your boys, Corey and Tony. I think by the end of today, I might have another best friend. They're committed to making you fall in love with the hair industry, one podcast at a time. Uh, you're going to grab a lot of information. Yeah, you're going to learn a lot. Presented by Hair Industry. Ladies and gentlemen, this is it. Your day off podcast will begin after a word from our sponsors. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to your day off. My name is Corey. Of course, I'm sitting with my best friend Tony. What's up, buddy? What's going on, brother? Um, not a whole bunch, man. I'm a, uh, uh, I'm a little disappointed you're not sitting here beside me again. You know, we 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 keep doing this thing, but uh, but but you know, I'll see you tomorrow at work, I guess. Yeah. Well, we got one in this year so far. <laughs> <laughs> we got one in exactly. Hey, so um, I- I'm pretty excited about today's guest, and like, uh, we met her. I guess a couple of years ago, um, when we talked to Alelia Bundles, um, we did, uh, we'll be releasing, re-releasing that podcast here shortly, but we did like a round table and she was a part of our round table and like, she's like, she, she's got some legacy, man. Oh yeah. When you, when you talk about like, you know, people that have had impact in the industry, uh, uh her family has had, uh, I think an impact in this industry as, as much as anybody else. Uh, for sure. For sure, and I can't, I can't, I can't wait to get um, into her story because um, it goes, it goes deep and long and, and all those things. Um, today, our guest is Stephanie Luster uh, of the uh, of the famous Luster family. Um, we're gonna hear, I'm sure we're gonna hear a lot about Chi Town. We're gonna have to also get into why they call it. Is it Chicago Town? What do they call that? It's Chi-Town. It's Chi-Town. Chi-Town. <laughs> Chi-Town. Got it. So we're right. going to learn about that. And then we're going to learn about, about her, um, her family's legacy. And then um, hope to hear what, uh, what she's up to and, and her, uh, her whole family's entrepreneurial spirit. Tone, you ready to get in? Yeah, let's do this, brother. Let's do it, man. Miss Stephanie Luster, welcome to your day off. I guess it's a welcome back sort of kind of, right? Welcome back. Yeah, it's a welcome back. I'm happy to be back. <laughs> I'm so excited. Thank you, thank you so much for, for for making time for us. Hey, Steph, it's, it's so- funny. We 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 usually have two questions during the podcast. We've already answered both of those already. Uh, you know what I mean? It's, one is like, where are you from? Where you grow up? And how'd you get in the industry? So, I mean, both of those are relatively. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, we've already spoke about it. But when did you decide to to get into the industry? Yeah, so that's a great question because legacy doesn't mean you pick it up. You know what I'm saying? And that's one thing that I try to encourage my kids with. What do you want to do without an expectation that, you know, they follow legacy? So, um, but I have known all of my life that I wanted to be in hair care in some way, shape, 
or fashion, you know, um, hair has been through generations in our family. And I knew that I wanted to, now I never wanted to do hair and I am a licensed cosmetology now and I have a clientele and all of that, but I never wanted to do hair. I was intrigued with the business part of it, the product side of it. And to be honest, just the beauty community as a whole is beautiful and warm and creative and it's just alluring to me so I've always loved it never wanted to do hair as a kid I wanted to be a part of the industry that's pretty that's pretty uh, crazy so like you said pre-talk that like your uncle started luster product yeah so my father's oldest brother my father is one of nine my dad is the baby and my uncle Fred was the oldest and he was a barber and um, he started in Chicago getting um, notoriety for doing celebrity hair. And he started making like products in his basement. And um, once he started doing that and selling the products, it started picking up. My father was actually the first brother to go and work for him. He was his first like, you know, official kind of employee. My father run, ran the production for him and all of that. My father was actually the first S-curl man. So I don't know how familiar you guys are with S-curl, the barber grooming, you know, product that has so much history to it. My father was an S-curl man. And he worked with them for several years. And then I had an older sister who passed away about six years ago, but she ended up with um, diabetes, childhood diabetes. And at that point, my father was like, you know, let me pivot and do something on my own a little bit different because in his mind, whenever there's a cure for diabetes, I want to be able to provide that for my daughter. And so that's how we ended up here. Um, but there's so much legacy and so much, so much entrepreneurship inside of the family. It's just wild. Do you, I kind of want to explore that a little bit. Um, do you, do you, do you think it's like the, the way that you were like raised that there's entrepreneurship? Do you think that, do you think that because you've already seen somebody a, 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 generationally, you've seen somebody else achieve something? Do you think that, that, that maybe the intimidation's less? What kind of, what do you think that is? Cause you see it so often, not just in our industry, but in a lot of industries where, you know, entrepreneurship is almost, almost feels like DNA, right? Yeah, and it actually is. I think it is. I think it's something that's in your blood. I think either you're you're, and I don't want to I don't want to sound a certain way, but you're born um, as a leader, or you're born to take a piece of the of the lead and run with it to what you have to do. Like I, I think that that's just something that's inside of you. I think that we're all kind of born to have a certain piece of the pie, um, which does not make either job. Um, more impactful or less impactful than the other because if i'm taking a leadership position i'm nothing without the people who help in their own arena so um, we're only as good as the people who are around us and um but i do think it's a part of dna i'll say that the one thing about having legacy or entrepreneurship in your business there is a slight expectation that entrepreneurship is possible and even you know expected in some sense so when we have conversations behind closed doors as a family it's kind of like like, oh, you're a doctor. When are you opening your practice? Or, oh, you're a chef. When are you opening, you know, your restaurant? So I, the expectation that we have because we've seen entrepreneurship work and grow is that whatever it is you're doing, um, when are you going to the next level with it? And th those are those are our inner family conversations. That's pretty. Talk about a roundtable in that family getting a, sitting around talking about. <laughs> I, I mean, actually, to be a hundred percent honest. 
like we'll as a family come together and we'll have a men's day, like a, a couple of uh, my uncles are um, ministers. So they'll get a men's day together. All the guys in the family go together, fathers and their sons. And, and there's a pour out of what we should, we have entrepreneurship days where um, some of the older who have been through um, the channels of entrepreneurship, we all come together, sit down, bounce ideas, stuff like that. So um, I think the way you nurture the relationships in your family, that's a part of legacy as well. So if it's not business to pass down from one to the other, I, I look at legacy, like we're all going to we're all going to leave it. You know, we're all going to leave legacy somehow. You can leave a legacy of lack or you can leave a legacy of abundance, depending on what you do, how you act and what you show your children. You can leave a legacy of detriment or you can leave a legacy of success. And it doesn't have to be in 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 um, in company or in entrepreneurship or even finances. You're going to leave a legacy to your children just from what you do and how you act and what you expose them to, period. Um, and so I like to take a lot of care in in that what's the legacy that I leave to them like right now my kids are very active in sports my son's in basketball my daughter's a gymnast and she's nine okay but she's competing <laughs> at this point <laughs> she's had three competitions where she's won medals and she's very dedicated to doing more but um the legacy that I'm trying to provide for them right now is whatever we work hard at or we ever have whatever we have the tools for that we can work hard at that those are the things that we will be successful about that it's more more about consistency and action than it is about pure talent and so um we just have to pay attention to what we're leaving our kids because we're gonna leave something now that insight that you just just gave us was that is that passed down to you through generations because a lot of times it's it's you know a lot you know we're just trying to figure it out you know what i mean and it's easier if somebody that 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 has kind of not really necessarily figured it out but are having success and they can teach their children you know what that looks like yeah it's it's um it's we do pass those things down i can remember my aunts even taking moments to show us different things that we need to do even with caring for our faces even what we would have my, one of my aunts would pull us together and she had been in um education forever she was retired and she pulled us together <laughs> as kids and we're mad because it's summertime like we want to be outside playing she's like okay everybody come in i'm going to teach you all how to file and i'm going to teach you all how to you know transcribe notes and i'm going to and i'm just like i don't want to know any of this <laughs> right now <laughs> but looking back and seeing just the uh determination that they were to to, to drop little things inside of our spirit and our souls that can move on um you know it's helpful and to to be even more transparent i love vision and mission statements uh, it's mm. a thing for me i love mission statements so i write mission statements for everything because i feel like mission statements kind of keep you on a path to where you're going and if i have a major decision to make i will parallel it to my mission statement to see if it aligns with what my future goal is. So I have a, a vision or a mission statement for my company, for being a hairstylist, but also for being a mother, um, being in a relationship with a partner, being a friend. Like I literally write mission statements for all of it, for what my life needs to look like. And the specific mission statement for my children talks about 
how I want them to live, what I want them to experience, and how I want them to be as adults. And I'm telling you, when I get home and it's a stressful day and the kids are there and I want to just, you know, grab a glass of wine and jump into bed and covers over the head, it's like, take a pause. This is not the experience you want your children to have. Stay in a car for a minute. Let it all relax off of you. Come in with a smile. Turn on some music. Let's have a dance party. And so, you know, it, it really helps to have those mission statements as well. I love that. Yeah, you just blew my mind. I'm not going to lie. Like, like that's amazing. Like, we hear about mission statements, um, you know, for when you're starting a business and stuff. But like, like to actually have one for life, that's, that, that, that's kind of like simple and mind-blowing all at the same time. You know? Yeah, I even I put together a step. <laughs> this is crazy. I put together a step by step on how to do it, and I'll share it with my friends or whatever. Like, you know, put five people down that you admire. These are the questions that you need to answer. Blah blah blah. And then we walk through how to put them together because I, it's it's just it really helps to define the pieces of my life. And I'm a I'm a divorced mom, so it's really it it can get hazy. You know, the, the world can just especially as an entrepreneur or even you guys with you know. With, with whatever is going on in your life, sometimes we find ourselves tunnel vision and just looking at what we need to get done right now and everything else around us becomes a little hazy. And so when you have something like a mission statement for your life or for pieces of your life, because I do them for different parts, um, it really helps me to remain focused. I, I I I don't think you can hold that on anymore, Steph. I think that you know, like you're gonna have to release that to the world and let them uh, let them experience it because uh, I'm I'm kind of blown away by it, you know. Yeah, I, I don't think people really put as much value in the mission statements as I do. So it's been kind of like this little, you know, this little compartment of things that I do, and you know, I get a couple friends together like, hi, let's just do mission statements. Today. Well, I think I, I I mean for me like. I never like even associated that with life. Right. Like, like, so you, you've taken it. There's a different level to that. I, I, I certainly know I would want to hear more about it, you know, and I would like to uh, participate in it. So, you know, I think, I think there's a space there, Steph. I think you need to, uh, you know, you need to luster it up as they say. <laughs> Add a little luster to it. No, absolutely. I would love to, because it's a journey and um yeah, something like that just helps to keep you right where you're supposed to be as much as possible. I, and here's a good example of it. Like, and I, I don't know this, I don't want to be, you know, too out there, but um, for our company, you know, one of our brands is called Naked, right? So, it, I mean, you literally can go kind of anywhere with it that you want to. And so someone came to me and she was very popular and she was putting together, I think there was a, um, a male exotic like a dancing um television show or something that was out at the time i don't get into it but she calls and she's like i'd like to we're doing a tour and i'd like to pair our tour with the naked products i feel like it'll be a great fit and she's got these numbers and she's willing to pay and spend this money to have us come on and do an activation or experience inside of these shows or whatever but it's like literally exotic dancing so where it can be a good opportunity where the number of women that were going to be attached to this program that would come out to these shows and be present in the building like we could have really been impactful with just getting um just starting to form relationship with people where they are but when i'm reading the mission statement it's like eh, exotic dancing might not be where you want to go with it so <laughs> in the moment it's like absolutely amazing idea and i really did take maybe two or three minutes 
two or three days to think through it, but going and revisiting the mission statement over and over again, this does not align. And so it's it's little decisions like that, or even when I was looking to move and um, uh, buy a house and I was looking at different areas, you know, comparing where I wanted to live, that decision really was based more so on my mission statement for my children, what that looked like, what their experience um, needed to look like, in my opinion, you know, growing up, whether it's diverse neighborhood, what the school system looked like, all of that. And those decisions came from that. Even though that house over there was a very good deal and it was a really nice house, like I don't want to put them in a position that, you know, it goes anti to what I'm trying to develop in them for, you know, their childhood. That's another thing. You have these mission statements, but to act upon those and make real life decisions on that, you know, whether it's the house, the neighborhood, the, the you know, it could be easy money, but, you, you know, you, you might have turned that down because it didn't align with with what your your mission state. I mean, my hat's off. I mean, that that's that takes a lot of strength, a lot of discipline and, and, and a lot of courage on top of that, because you don't necessarily know. Uh, by turning that down, what kind of, you know, break your cause. Yeah, so it's... Absolutely, absolutely. And then, and, and, you know, so it's it's really about making decisions for the future instead of right now. And the decision for the future, you know, we have to live like we're right now, our obituary, because it's that, exactly what we're doing. Um, and, you know, creating these children, those, all of those little things, it's just, whoo. But the mission statement, going back to it, it's, it's, it's really a sacrifice and you have to keep doing it, but it, it pays off in the end. It really does. Before before yeah. we, we continue this 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 you know your journey and, and stuff, I, I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna kind of throw us off track just for one quick second. We have a family in in, in the D.C. area that um, you know this one particular uh, family member opened up a, uh, a, a number of salons, and he had nephews and and brothers with carrying the same last name, and they opened up salons using the same name and the the uncle sued everybody try to get everybody to stop using the family name because he felt that he owned it uh did you guys have any kind of issues like that in in the luster family or everybody embraced everybody everybody embraces it it's 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 people ask that question like how are you well first of all when we started our brand we weren't we're not a competing company to them so where they're consumer friendly we are salon salon exclusive um for the majority we have a few retail items that we do have on the beauty supply shelf or that we have for retail but the majority of our business is uh private labeling which they do none of and then it's also salon exclusive um and so us being in a realm where we are focusing directly on the the salon and the stylist it puts us in a different in a in a different place than them but i mean literally i go to a beauty supply store you'll see in my stories family in the store you know and i'm putting up luster products s curl they'll do the same if i go out the country and i see them or they see me it's we we share we tag we love i they're at my house for you know family get-togethers, birthday parties, stuff like that. Like um, my uncle who started Luster Products, he passed away. His um, two sons are still in control. Their sister was, but she retired maybe about a year, year and a half ago or something like that. And my birthday party in the summer, the brothers are there. I mean, we really are still a very loving family at the end of it. And my grandmother and grandfather would have had it no other way. They were the type that's like, 
it's not a y'all, one of y'all fighting, everybody fighting. So let's just get it together. So there's that, <laughs> there's that dynamic that was driven through our family throughout the, our entire lives. Sounds like my family. Yeah. <laughs> our cousins are our friends. Like, I mean, this is just, I have 30, let's see, 30 first cousins. I have 30 first cousins. So I look at people that have like two, I'll be like, man, that is really sad. How do you <laughs> with only two first cousins? I have 30 of them. And then my second cousins under that, because I'm from the baby of the nine. And so my second cousins are close to me. I mean, we can have, we have a family get together. There's a hundred people, full family immediately. Yep. I get yeah, that. I actually, big. I actually have cousins that are older than my dad. Yeah, yeah, there's one. There's one. So my my uncle who started Lusters, his oldest daughter, the one who I said just retired, she's a few months older than my father. So like the the daughter and mother are pregnant at the same time. It's just insane. It's wild, it? yeah. it's okay. Hey, so uh so I'm gonna bring us back a little bit because I, I just have this question that I have. So when you said that you're divorced, but so did you, did you sit down with your, your husband and go and go, okay, this is our, this is our life mission statement as far as kids and stuff. And, 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 and then, and then did you have to kind of, did you give yourself permission to kind of rewrite what that mission statement was once you were divorced? Yeah. So the mission statements in life, I didn't start doing until um, we more so were kind of getting to the divorce state. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was, it It really evolved or started in me more because I did not have that person to bounce every idea off of. Um, even when I purchased my house, it's so crazy. When I, when I, no, when I first, when I first got my own place, I was, <laughs> I was in the store looking for sheets and I'm looking at everything brown, everything blue. And I'm trying to figure out what I needed to get for my bed, my new bed. And I, I stood there and all of a sudden it was just like a heavy impact on me. It's like, you don't have to get blue anymore. You don't have to get brown anymore. You can get whatever you want to because you don't have to consider what someone else feels inside of your room at this stage. And I was like, wow, I don't even know what color I want. You know, so I had to go back home, sit with it for a few days. And I went back and I got sparkle freaking everything. Okay. <laughs> everything sparkles. <laughs> it's like, I pull sparkly, you know, chandeliers. My son is like, my, like, I need a place where it's not sparkles. Cause how? So that's more so when I started doing more of the mission statements for life, because it also acts like another silent partner. You know what I'm saying? If I could put those ideas down now, of course, he and I, we had our ideas and we had thorough conversations on what we wanted our children's lives to look like before we had them. And even after birth and, you know, what we wanted their lives to be. Um, but with him not being in the home to make some of those decisions with me, that, that mission statement is kind of like my other partner. So when I did the mission statements, it um, really was off of conversations that we had and decisions that we had made for our children beforehand. So I didn't really exclude him from it. He was part of it. But, you know, when it comes down to every, I, you know, I can't call my ex-husband for every small decision. Like, where do you think? Or, you know, he can't right. have that. So that mission statement helps me with that. And do you give yourself permission, like even as your kids enter like teenage years to, to, to kind of adjust that? Absolutely. I go back. 
um, every year or two and look at it and just kind of see, you know, what's working, what's not. I mean, we're all parents and we're all like, you know, even with our own lives, we don't know what the hell we're doing at times. So it's, you know, we evolve. If we're not evolving, then we're not doing anything. And so um, as that evolution comes, then I go back, I revisit it, see what's still relevant and what's not. Some of my personal mission statements, I have to move up to the next level because in one mission statement, it may be, I talk about, you know, for myself personally, creating places of peace, places um, for reading, prayer, meditation, um, what that looks like and all of that. I, I speak about all those things. Um, and then I might want to move it up a notch. And, and now it's including, you know, more reading or more meditation time or something like that. Um, because those things, a, a good example is one of those mission statements was, was really heavy on um, what I needed to do for myself. And this is when I was transitioning through divorce and doing a lot of self-discovery. And then when I went back to revisit it, it was more about um, still about what I needed to do for myself, but more about what I needed to do for others and, you know, the relationships and curating great relationships with people and how to pour into friendships because it's kind of difficult to pour into yourself and someone else at the same time. So those those mission statements evolve depending on where I am in life. It's kind of come full circle for me because, you know, Tony kind of opened up with like, you know, talking about like legacy and how, how you have a leg up, right? Like, and, and, and I turn, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but, but I kind of got the sense as you were talking, like, like as far as legacy concerns, you're either struggling through life or you start a little bit ahead, you know? And I think that these mission statements, I think that, I think that having an entrepreneurial spirit, having an entrepreneurial um, role model, right? Yeah. Like that, 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 I don't want to say automatically gives you a step up because I think you have to, you know, you, you, as, as Ray Crotch says, there's never been a million dollar idea, only million dollar action, but it kind of gives you permission for that million dollar action. And, and it's kind of great that you're able to kind of like, whether it's with the mission statements or whatever, that you can pay that forward to your children. And then they're half a step ahead of like, you know, where you were. And, and, and I think that there's some, I think as a parent, as a coach, as a leader, there's some responsibility in that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you're talking about entrepreneurship, we're looking at um, at at mentorship. You know, we always are, are looking for someone to to be that example for us to kind of mentor us through different things that we do. And I have a mentorship, you know, embedded inside of my family and, and embedded inside of the structure of just who I am. Um, and when I say entrepreneurship, it's not just you know hair care. I have a cousin who has a very successful uh, construction business here in the city where he's done. I'm talking about amazing work with every big chain, everything that comes through. He gets those contracts. I have another cousin. I don't know if you all have ever been um, to, to the Chicago area. She has the most popular brunch spot in the city and is branching out to have two different, two more locations on top of the location that she has. So, I mean, people 
from out of town, um, celebrities, everything. They come to visit her place just because of how popular this brunch place is. And she's actually a, a medical doctor and she still works as a medical doctor. And she had this idea. She just comes, she's like, I think I want to open up a brunch place. And I'm like, I mean, are you doing this in between patients? Like, what are we doing? <laughs> and, and she's like, I just had this idea and I feel like God is telling me that I should do this brunch place. And I'm like, okay, what do you need us to do? So as a family, we go over and we're cleaning up the place that she got. We're helping create these. She has these cool tables that we actually all as a family came over and broke tile and made mosaics on top of the tables and stuff. So when I go in, I'd be like, my table's over there and up there. And up there. <laughs> I mean, as a family, we really come together and just support each other's dreams. And we have so many different things inside of our family. It's just amazing to, to even watch and see. Please tell me it's a vegan place. They have vegan options, but it's not a vegan place. Um, but, um, you know, the owner is vegan and her husband, um, who actually stopped working in his career to be full time with it because they had taken over so much. He is vegan as well. They have, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four kids who also they still cook what they want, but they practice a lot or majority vegan as well. So mm -hmm. there are some very good vegan options at the restaurant, but it is they do have they got bacon. Okay, they got, <laughs> they got bacon. Tony, they got that's bacon. like that's like my so, that's like our barbecues at the house. I gotta cook a few vegan options for Corey, but yeah. the rest of us we're we're meat eaters. They're, they're just meat eaters. <laughs> hey, hey Stephanie, I I only brought that up because uh, we were in Chicago um, last February, actually, uh, exactly a year ago, and we ate at some vegan place. Um, we we ate at some vegan place uh, in, in um in Chicago, but it was at, like on Southside because our buddy lives in like. The, the guy we were visiting was uh is from Indiana so he kind of like you know took us to, to to this vegan place it was it was wonderful yeah there's this one vegan spot and I so I'm pescatarian I dib I can't even say that anymore because I've been dibbling a little bit in Turkey uh, I tried let me tell you I tried to I tried to eat meat again I was a, a meat eater I used to say no lie I used to say I would when people say you don't need to eat this and that and I said if I could take a pig and put it on my back and carve a piece out as I'm walking and have some bacon, I'm going to do it. You know, that was just my, like, I see absolutely nothing wrong with it. And then I fasted and prayed. This is, you know, during some transitional moments, um, probably about seven years ago, I was doing some fasting and praying. I took 30 days without meat. I did raw fast. I did all of that. And I came back to meat and my body was like, yeah, girl, I don't know what you think you're doing. <laughs> and to be honest, I wasn't drinking. I didn't do anything. And at that point, my body at 40 or 38, however, it felt like it did at 21. I was like, if I would have done this at 21, I'd probably felt 15. I don't know. Um, and so, but I have these kids and they like, you know, I still cook everything for them. Um, but being, being pescatarian, it just kind of pescatarian. Um, it's, it's, if I go to this one place here in the city and they have, it's like vegan uh, street food. It's like, you know, vegan, um, I don't know, burgers and, you know, sloppy joes and like, it, I, it's amazing. I can't, it's fattening. I can't eat it all the time, <laughs> but it is amazing. I don't know if you guys know pizza puffs. We have pizza puffs here and it's a fried little piece of goodness with pizza sauce and cheese and stuff in the inside that I used to enjoy when I was a child. And they have vegan pizza puffs there. It's just like, you know, and so since I don't eat pork or beef or chicken, it has really helped me through <laughs> some of these moments where I crave this 
neat. I, I wish I could remember the name of the restaurant because it seemed like it was kind of that way, wasn't it, Tony? Didn't they have like uh, they had like vegan barbecue and stuff? Yeah, they had vegan everything. I mean, it, yeah. but it was like kind of, it was soul food though. Yeah, yeah. So they have so so this place that I'm talking about. It's it's called I can't believe it's not meat. Now, I mean, you'd have to remember that name. So it may have been another place. We have some really good vegan places here, though. I can't remember. I tell you what. Last year we had, or maybe it was two years ago, we went to the Girl and the Goat in Chicago. One yes. Of my, one of my favorite meals of all time. It was amazing, and we we got to sit in the speakeasy area. There's a speakeasy area in the restaurant, yes. and we sat in yes. there. Holy cow, was that good? Yes, it is. So, I mean, when you all come back, you have to go to my cousin's restaurant. There will be uh, vegan options. There will be bacon and everything. Um, they do great, like, steak executives and um, uh, salmon benedicts. And just, I mean, it's really a high-class brunch spot and all fresh stuff, all local stuff herbs everything it is absolutely amazing it's called batter and berries on the north side so if you all are ever there we can take care of everyone you know we'll i love that of- name batter and berries batter and berries yeah. it's so good it's so okay. good really okay good. the restaurant that we ate at is called soul veg city ah yes on the south side i know exactly what that yeah, is. yeah yeah it's on uh, uh i just looked it up it's on like uh, uh east 75th street in, in chicago yeah. dude it was yeah. such a good meal we just had such a good uh a, a good meal there um, but yeah. you know, now we need to go to uh, what is it, Batter and Berries? Great, Batter memory. and Berries, yes. <laughs> I love that, man. I don't know how we got into the food topic, but it, we always seem to get over to the food topic for for <laughs> for, for whatever for whatever reason. Um, um, yeah. So, I mean, you brushed on. I'm gonna get back into 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 your into your into your line. What is naked? It's, it's been we we moved on so much, and that's been in the back of my mind. Yeah. But, but what? But what is naked? So Naked is one of our brands, and I'll, I'll tell you how it came about. Um, if you you know follow Texture Hair at all, there was a time where everyone was relaxed. We were all chemically straightened. This was you know before my son was born in 2010, um, so maybe before that, 2008, 2009, everyone started moving towards natural hair, and people were looking to uh, just try to get to know their natural hair because we had been relaxed for our whole life. We had straight hair for our whole life. So there was a a huge community of people who were just trying to get in touch with what their natural hair was like. And what we found is that everybody's hair was dry. It was brittle. You know, we had to figure out ways to nourish it. So that's where um, we developed Naked. And uh, so we already had a full line of products and the Naked products came so that they could naturally uh, restore moisture in the hair. And so there was honey, there was almond oil. We had these natural uh, elements that are put inside of the line to help moisturize and nourish um, natural hair, natural curls, curls and coils. So that's really what it was about. Um, There was actually a relaxer that was inside of it as well to over moisturize the hair too. Um, but it, it literally just takes care of the moisture aspect and the strength and married moisture and strength together. And we couldn't think of a name of it. I probably shouldn't share this. We could not okay. think of a name. Of it. <laughs> it's like that moment where you're like, I'm in it, but I shouldn't be in it. Um, we couldn't think of a name of it. And um, my sister, she was doing the marketing and, and we're going back and forth. We had these names and I, I was pregnant at the time and I literally saw this. <laughs> Is, this is so bad. Okay, so Reggie Bush, the football player, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Reggie Bush did this cover on um, 
Essence magazine, I believe. And on the cover, he has on his sweater, he has on these pants, and but he pulls the sweater up a little bit so you can see these abs working or whatever. And in my mind, I was like, whoo, he should have just done that naked. And so at that point, I called my sister. I was like, ha ha, we should call it naked. This is all a joke, of course. And she's like, oh my God, that would be great, blah, blah, blah. And she kind of ran with it because um, the, the look is that when you're adding natural elements to the hair, it can actually be naked. When you're using it in the shampoos and conditioners and such, you don't have to use a lot of styling items to cover the hair up. It can actually be naked hair. And so that's where we went with it. But Reggie Bush did have a lot to do with that name. But that, that, <laughs> that's what the naked brand is and what it represents and what we do for it. We're Jeremy, sure to tag Reggie Bush card. in this podcast. <laughs> I mean, I mean, he it's it's slightly embarrassing, but you know, most people when they ask what is naked, I'm like, oh, it's just you know, have naked hair, you know, whatever. So that's why I'm like, I might not have shared that story. <laughs> it was it was those pregnancy hormones. I was like, ooh, Reggie. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, on all those bottles in really small print, you should be uh, you should say dedicated to Reggie Bush. Dedicated to inspired by Reggie Bush. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! He has no clue that he just inspired an entire life. Yeah. How many products do you guys have? Woo! Okay, so we have about forty SKUs, just less than that. I'm looking to bring up some of them down, um, and then multiple sizes inside of the SKUs. And so we do everything from gallons and thirty-two ounces down to the retail sizes. Um, we have a line that is dedicated to scalp therapy and scalp care, and then one that is dedicated to extensions, which I love that line because it's literally colorless. Um, and then we have the naked line and then we have our Essations line. This Essations line is our classic line that we came with first. And, um, but our biggest, our biggest goal or vision is to help women have freedom inside of their hair choices and then have healthy hair journeys inside of that. So we want to create products that give women or men, whoever, the freedom to wear their hair the way they want to and do it in a healthy manner. So whether it's, whether it's extensions, it's relaxers, keratin treatments, it's wearing your natural curls, whatever the case may be, there's something in our line to help you through that journey um, in a in a very healthy way. Um, so that's what our goal is. You know, I hate to see, especially in African American community, at times um, there's there's a fight on, you know, if you don't wear your hair in the natural curl pattern and you hate yourself. No, I actually love myself, but I like straight hair. You know, so it there's always this struggle, this back and forth and a judgment on what a woman does and how she carries herself. It's, it's always that. And um, I, I just like hair love. I feel like when you wear your hair, whatever way it makes you feel beautiful or handsome or full or attractive or whatever, you should be able to do that and do it in a healthy way. You can wear, I had extensions for New Year's Eve. Y'all couldn't tell me nothing because I went to Cabo and this hair was wavy and my video camera was like, oh, I'm by the beach. Oh, I'm by the pool. And I'm taking videos of this hair. And then I took it out and, and now I have my natural hair. And I mean, I could go curly. I could do whatever it is that I want to do. And it should not, there, there should not be a label that it impacts how I feel about myself. So I'm extremely against hair bullying and totally for hair love and whatever that looks like for a person. I just want to create things that help them do it healthy. 
you know, it's, that's been a, that's been an argument in the, uh, in the African-American community for a long time. Like I remember reading about it in, um, in Malcolm X's autobiography, you know, he, he he talked about it in there and how he used to straighten his hair and how, how, whatever. So it's just, it's just, it, it's funny, but not in a funny way. Like, you know, how the same conversations seem to, you know, happen over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, you know, that's crazy. Hey, so when, can you kind of walk us through the process? And I'm just intrigued by it, by how one starts a product line or like, you know, who, who, who do you reach out to? I mean, how, do, how does it all happen? I mean, again, as we started this, you have some legacy. So I'm sure, you know, once again, you had kind of a step up on that, but, but who do you reach out to if you're not using like a private label kind of stuff? Like if you want to do like a truly unique brand. It, you reach out to me. No, I'm just you know. <laughs> Done. <laughs> but we absolutely are contract manufacturers. We have our own manufacturing facilities. So that's what we do. We know how to make products well. Um, I actually worked in the compounding department for several years until I said that is enough. And, and I, I, I worked in, in every department that we have. I, got, I kept getting fired, though. Like my mom was like, you can't work with me anymore. You know, it was. <laughs> so I've learned the entire business, but I definitely know how to make the products. I'm not a chemist, but I know what chemicals do with each other, which led me to uh, getting my cosmetology license because I wanted to see what products do to hair because I saw what chemicals do to each other to make products. Um, but with starting a, a line, I would. There's two different ways to go about it. Either you can get a chemist on your own, work with them, and then take your own formula that you own to a manufacturing facility and have them make it for you, um, which is a great thing to do because you own the formula and you're not beholden to the manufacturing facility itself. Or you could go to a manufacturer and you could say, what are samples that you have of things? Um, so if I had some, if I, let's just say if you guys wanted to do a beer care line or something like that, I already have some standard products that I would send out as a sample. You call me up and say, hey, Steph, we want to do a beer care line. We think that it would be wonderful to add to the hair industry um, empire. And I'd say, okay, let me send you over some stuff that we already have. And you could literally get it and say, okay, I like this beard oil, but it is a little bit too heavy or it's a little bit, you know, I don't, I don't care for the smell as much or whatever. And I make tweaks on my end and then we're able to get rolling. So I do what I call a discovery call and I talk to you and see where you want to go, what you're looking at, what you're looking for. We pull a contract together in the NDA and we start working towards what that product line should look like for you. Um, I'm a big visionary. So normally when I have my clients or um, my partners, we can sit down and talk and then I'll just see all kind of different things that I can help input into what they're doing. And I can help walk them through like I I know this works. I know this doesn't work. Um, I know that this pathway, you know, if you take this, this will kind of help you get to where you want to go. And then we move on from there, but we have a full manufacturing plan here. Wow. And then does all the family use the same plant? Oh, that was my question uh, too, Tone. <laughs> no. Uh, so Luster Products has their own plant. They're in the city. We're in the South suburbs. We have an, um, our own plant as well. We actually just bought a new building, a a few um, months ago. And when I say new, it's new to us, kind of like that great used car that you get in and you, you know, (laughs) a great house that was not, you know. And so um, we finally are at a place that we're set up well enough to be able to to produce at um, high impacts. And it is, it's kind of amazing. So we doubled our, um, we doubled our uh, square footage and we're able to offer more to our customers with not just uh 
creating the products and doing the marketing or uh, the design work for them and stuff like that. But we can also help with logistics too, because we have area that we're able to do some warehousing and logistics for them as well. And do you do all yeah. the bottling and stuff too? Cause I know like, I know like, you know, most caps are universal because there's like two places in the world that makes caps or something crazy like that. So yeah. I, I remember during COVID, like we were talking to a friend of ours who, who manufactures color and she had a, she, all her product was sitting on a shelf. The bottles were there, but it was just the caps. The caps, there was some delay in that, and she couldn't. She, it was driving her bonkers because she had all this product that she had, but she couldn't send out because she didn't have the caps for it or something. Oh, it was COVID was horrible, and it's changed the way we've done business forever. We'll never do business like we did before COVID. But the the supply of you know our materials, the amount of time that it takes to get it, um, all of our lead times, everything has changed. Um, even you know, like you said, two companies in the world making caps uh, before COVID, or even I won't even say before COVID. I say ten years ago, there were several smaller companies that were manufacturing caps and bottles and all of that. But the big guys coming buy them up and now you're beholding to one person if they got it don't have it you know whatever it becomes an issue for you so uh yeah it is it has been tough it has been extremely tough um but you have to literally take your business and restructure it to be able to get through that and um still be able to do business because we all were like that like you said i would if i'm customarily using a, a white cap or anything like that and and listen all i can get is pink this is what i was telling like all i can get is pink caps and during covid if we go on with pink caps that's what we're going with and they would be like let's just put it in ziploc bags i mean i'm not sure but i still need my stuff so um it has been a challenge but we do everything we do the bottling we do the um the manufacturing the lines and we also make the product here in-house boxes shipping so if you are you all had your hair industry grooming line for beards or something like that you just get it in a box and market it you just sell it i mean we do everything on the back end and all you have to do is sell it we could do screen printing labeling whatever and then you just take it to market that's that's so awesome i uh i, I love that i mean it, it it seems like it's been like this well i guess that's another question i mean like it seems like when we were growing up, there was so much white labeling going on, you know, yeah. like, like when we first got in the industry, like every, but every salon had this salon, this salon's product. Is that still like a, is that still like a major player in, in a lot of areas? You know, the, the, yes, it is. But the, in the African-American community, we're just starting to get to it. And I, I'm sure you've probably heard before Afri in the African-American community, we don't retail well. But in other markets, everyone does a lot of retailing. At the same time, though, um, in other neighborhoods, you don't have a beauty supply store on every corner. And so as in, in an African-American salon or in our neighborhoods, it's like when we're selling products, we're competing with a beauty supply store. And I think in other neighborhoods, you don't have that, that immediate competition like that. Um, but there's just this expectation of retail. I went to Paul Mitchell. That's where, where I went to for my cosmetology license. And we were hammered every day, all day about retail. Um, and when I go and visit other schools that may be more texture heavy type schools, that's not a part of the curriculum in that way. They talk about it or touch on it, but it's not, they're not embedding at as it as it's a part of business structure where going to Paul Mitchell, that's exactly what we learned it as. And so now since COVID and, you know, our stylists are looking like we're out of a job right now. 
So then they started getting more into retail and showing their customers how to use products, what's used on their hair and all of that, because there was how we make money and how are our clients able to take care of their hair in our absence. And so it became more of a, you know, priority then. Now we have people that are looking to do more white labeling. I started, uh, launched a white labeling program a few months ago in connection with our Essations and Naked brands, some of the products that they know and love. So we targeted stylists that are already using our back bar, but are looking to have that retail portion because now every everybody is extremely retail friendly um, and wanted to white label those, then you know we put together a program to help them do that. So it's, it's starting to get big, bigger in in african-american community where you know it's it's still kind of the same maybe a little bit less than what we were doing in other communities and i remember i remember again going back like early in our careers like like i, I just wasn't i was i never found that the white labeled products were very good products right yeah. like they were salon based products but they weren't like and i don't know i mean it could have been marketing it could have been whatever you know like like if you have a big powerhouse like paul mitchell behind you um not as a white label but you know you're competing with paul mitchell or, or whatever then that's um I, I don't i don't even know where i'm going with this i just kind of remember it like never feeling like this is a great product but there was always great products coming out but you know that could just for whatever i don't know no most of the companies that do uh white label they are just cranking out a whole that of stuff and um and and people are throwing labels on it and it's usually the cheapest product that they can make it it's really not great products the plus about working with 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 me <laughs> number one is that i am a cosmetologist there are not many people that are in the industry who have manufacturing facilities that are cosmetologists or barbers or whatever i'm using every this is why i keep a clientele i'm using everything that that we put out. I'm using everything um, exclusively. And so um, when we, even when we go into research and development and we're developing new products, new systems to come out, it has to go through me first. And so having a, a industry eye from a different way, I'm not just a corporate person that is looking at other areas. Oh, this is what the stats say is selling this year. So we need to develop something for that. It's not like that for me. It's actually a true passion of salon period. Um, and so we're literally taking our tried and true salon friendly products and using them as the retail size to be able to white label. So they know the exact quality. So if they're using our product at the back bar, then they know that they're servicing their clients with the same thing, which is what you would do anyway, but now it has your logo on it. How would, how, I mean, how would I, like, if I wanted to create a white label or if hair industry wanted to create that beard oil, how would we go through the process of reaching out to you? I mean, well, um, all you have to do is, you know, just send me a shout out and a, a connection. I have um, our email address. I'm on social media, you know, as well. Hop, I tell people hop in my DM all the time. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Hop in my DM, you know, <laughs> but <laughs> we are at Estations on uh, every platform. So that's on Facebook or Instagram and um, on Twitter. I don't have a personal Twitter account because I feel like if I keep talking, then people won't like me anymore. Um, but <laughs> on my Instagram is Stephanie J. Luster and it's the same on Facebook. So you can reach out through there. I hate to say that because 
10 years ago, we weren't able to say that, but literally right now it's the best way to get in contact with anybody that you want to. And so slide in my DM, we can start talking about it. Um, shoot me an email. If you go to the East Asians DM, they'll give you what my email is and all of that. And we can start working from there. Some forms I send out and we'd start working on it. That's awesome. That's so cool. But is, is it just African-American products or, or can you can you service any salon? Any, I can service any salon. Uh, the great thing about our products is that um, the Essations, the classic line was developed to be a multi-textural line anyway. Um, oh, okay. I look at I look at products or hair care as as what the hair needs rather than what the hair is. Um, and so I like to attack porosity or moisture deficiencies or protein deficiencies or things like that, which actually make up the structure of what the hair is versus whether it's, you know, white hair, Asian hair, black hair, because what we're really saying at that point is it's straight hair that may be more oily or it's coarse hair that may be, you know, harder to um, manipulate or whatever. But when we speak in those terms, it becomes universal, you know? And so we have products that are for, um, for maybe your first lather or for taking some of the moisture out the hair without drying it out too much. We have products that are masks, that are treatments, um, scalp products and stuff. We have a host of things that all can be used for different reasons, different clients, different places. And um, the white label can be done for that as well. That's awesome. Stephanie, thank you so much. Hey, once yeah. again, just give out where people can find you can uh, holla at you or, or, you know, again, anything that you're up to or anything that uh, that we need to know. Yeah. So um, as I said before, slide in my DM. We are at Essations on every platform. I'm Stephanie J. Luster. And it's I, there's no fancy spelling to it. It's just the regular old Stephanie J. Luster <laughs> on Instagram <laughs> and on Facebook. Um, I would be happy to connect with anybody that's out there. One of the bigger things that we have um, that we just announced actually is we're in partnership with Salon Centric or as one of their online exclusive brands. So if you're looking to even try out some of the product, head on over to Salon Centric and um, just search us up, Essations or Naked by Essations. We have a select a uh, number of products that are there and all of the information about the products, ingredients, and how to use it. And some short videos of me um, are all are all on there. So um, we can go out and support that way as well. And looking to do some more education and activations and stuff with the salon centric team. Um, and so I'm very excited about where we're going and what we're doing, white label, private label, contract manufacturing, and the Essations and Naked by Essations brands. And That's don't forget amazing. that the naked product will give you abs like Reggie Bush. It will give you abs like Reggie Bush. I mean, <laughs> rub it. Just continue to rub. But I would have to have give me a case. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. <laughs> awesome. And if and if you're still listening at this point, you know, tag Reggie Bush in this. I'm sure he'll get a please, kick out of uh, out of please. out of Reggie Bush abs. <laughs> awesome. That, that's awesome. Stephanie, thank you so much. Thank yeah. you guys for having that was me. That's a quick hour. Yeah. Oh my God. I can't believe it's the hour, but thank you guys for having me. I am, I mean, just honored to be a part of the Hair Street Podcast today. For sure. Stephanie, thank you so much. Thanks for hanging out with us. And thank you very, very much for joining us on your day off. <laughs> Thank you.
Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, share it with friends, give us a rating, and drop a review. To listen to all the latest podcasts, please subscribe from your favorite podcast outlet. And to stay connected on and off the show, you can follow us at Hairdistry on Instagram and all other social media platforms. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Peace and love.